This episode of Blaster Podcast is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy the show! The introduction of this episode of Blaster Podcast was sound designed by Keith Hand. Thank you, Keith. Detore. Detore. Wake up, Detore. Just give me five more parsecs. That's a unit of distance, not time. <laughs> what of clock is it, boy? Nine. <laughs> P.M. Oh, new record. Well, guten almonds. Look, Detore, you have to wake up. You have a show to do. Cancel. Your guest flew all the way from New York to be here today. Cancel. He's been waiting outside in the hot sun all day, being hectored by the Sphinx, no less. I say cancel! Honor and obey me! No, Detore is not right. Now get up, put on your scholarly robes, and meet your guest. No! Do you want me to unleash the space worms? Not the worms! Not the worms! To get off your bum and record episode 37. I'll record it! But I refuse to leave my boudoir. Pie chamber? Summon the Skype! Seriously? Yes, I shall speak to our guest through an impartial third party. Wesley Skypes. You're a real impolite bore, Detore. Bore, Detore? You mean Professor Pig? What? Batman! What? Batman! Well, then what am I supposed to tell our guest? Tell him to fly back to New York! And quick! We're about to start the show! Skype! Skype! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 37 of Blast Roll Podcast! Tis I, Detore Belordo, master of science, man of legend, and artificer of great and noble deeds. Today in the pod chamber, we are dealing with illusions, and who better to help us understand the world of illusions than a man speaking through Skype? That's right, on today's podcast, our special guest is Grant Howard! Grant! Hello, I'm not really there, it's all an illusion. You're an illusory man, Grant. Yeah. Now, Grant, you have the dubious honor of being Blaster Podcast's first Skype interview. Mm-hmm. So, you're not going to get the full effect of my glistening ponds, my hideous spores emitting from every orifice. I can sort of see you from here. There's a lot of you to go around. <laughs> That's true. The curvature of the earth can't hide me. Not at all. Now, speaking of not at all, I'm not a tall man. Grant, are, <laughs> are you very tall? I'm a tall man. I'm six foot two. Jesus! <laughs> How is Let's that even physically man? possible? Um, I had a lot of uh, cereal when I was growing up, a lot of porridge, a lot of good breakfasts. Oh, you went to one of the good orphanages. Mm-hmm. Strong, they... strong nourishing gruel delivered by large men with arms like hams. <laughs> Why didn't you just eat the arms, Grant? They were attached to large men. Oh, yeah. You, you gotta... don't bite the hand that grills you. Now, Grant Howard, mm -hmm. <clears throat> we are strangers of each other. 
We are. So it is important uh, 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 to get to know you, to get to understand you, Grant. Mm-hmm. Really what? get under me. To get under, under my skin. Under my skin. Under my... Mm. <laughs> well, later, later, okay. Grant, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so um, I am a game designer. I am from uh, the UK, as you might have judged by my accent, but I live uh, in Brooklyn, New York, for the time being. Um, and uh, I design games. So I design tabletop role-playing games. Like, uh, you may have heard of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Sorry, Dungeons and Dragons, my apologies. Um, so I've... Uh, I design indie role-playing games and recently some non-indie role-playing games, but I write rules. I create fictional worlds or illusory worlds for a living, um, which is pretty cool, which is like a great job to have. Yeah, there are children starving in third-world countries, yeah. and your job is to make up things that orcs do to each other. Yeah. <laughs> 100%, yeah. So like, <laughs> what a world. Every, every day when I wake up and go to my office, I have, to, I have the burden of the deaths of millions of children uh, hanging around my neck like a millstone and it makes it really hard to work honestly editorial it makes it hard to power through but i still manage every day yeah my fundamentally useless job you know how i do it how do you do it is i just close the curtain on those children mm-hmm. i mean my, should, mine is a much more direct one-to-one you should move away from the children man or like move the children away from you i try but they keep coming back it's my Swamp. the the pod chamber tries to give them free porridge every sunday <laughs> you gotta you gotta stamp down on that i know i'm trying to reprogram it you give these children some porridge, they'll take a mile. Yeah, they're trying to eat my ham-like arms. No way. <laughs> and my hen-like legs. Speaking of uh, James, Grant. Mm-hmm. James? <clears throat> according to legend, you are some sort of James designer. Mm-hmm. How did you even gorf into that? <laughs> so, um, let's see. I, I've, always, I've always loved James. Um, I have loved... Uh, I used, uh, James Workshop was my first introduction with the Orcs. Mm-hmm. And the... Uh, Elder and Imperial, uh, and I was playing that from about the age of 12 years onwards, and I decided very, I was a very um, pretentious child, and I decided that I could do it better uh, than, than the writers. I was like, you know what, no, I've, I've, got, a, I've got a story I want to tell, I've got a game I want to write. Um, so I started writing games um, in earnest, I, I say I started at 12, I started writing games in earnest at the age of about 20. How did Ernest feel about this? He was he, initially he was kind of against the idea, but we kind of we, we worked out a relationship, like a working relationship. Sure, he, he had to ease those games into him after a while. <laughs> yeah, a lot of yeah. I mean, it's it's a back and forth, you know, and eventually just fully forth, and now they're in earnest, which is great. Um, he's a feckin' breeding ground for all sorts of new ideas. He's pregnant with dice. It's terrifying. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Um, so uh, Ernest and I designed games, um, and uh, I moved from the UK to Australia in 2014 um, and found myself... So I used to be a games journalist, like a video games journalist, uh, and that meant moving to the wrong side of the world, being upside down, meant that I had no contacts and no job to speak of. So I just started doing, I, I wrote a book and I started writing games and went through Patreon. I wish you should get on Dottori. Seriously, you can get some money through that. Some sweet dollar. Patreon. All right, uh, wait a minute. Are you allowed to have 12 listeners donate to a complicated system such as Patreon? <laughs> because I don't want to overload their servers with all 12 of my <laughs> blaster apostles. Yeah, okay, you know what, actually, maybe just like, maybe don't tell everyone about it. Don't mention it on the podcast. Yeah, good idea. I'll, only, I'll, I'll, I'll do a secret code, and only the most savviest of my blaster apostles will get it. Just like whisper it to passing dogs, cats, that sort of thing, and so they'll spread the message on. Or like people, actually use people, because they can speak English. Yeah. Um, 
so so I, I did a Patreon and I got a few games out from that. I did one about writing haiku as kind of a dueling uh, Japanese warrior poet thing. I did one about uh, where you play a bunch of uh, big roughy tufty orcs going on a rampage. And the thing which really sort of got me into doing this professionally is I did a Kickstarter at the end of last year for a game called Goblin Quest, where you play five goblins uh, in sequence, not in parallel. And so they die in really short order, and you try and achieve like a really simple goal like making an omelette or um, putting on a birthday party. And over half of them always die, and it's comedy gold. Comedy gold is one of my favorite types of gold. And mm -hmm. I'll tell you, Grant, you are right on the money. I think you've really tapped into a, a, a necessary and, and unlauded form of racism. Because oftentimes, I'll disparage the kobolds. Uh, my mm -hmm. kobold servant happens to be one. But goblins <laughs> have really had their time in the sun for far too long. I should let you know, I've also written a game about kobolds. About cuckolds? About cuckolds, yes. <laughs> Jesus. Too too close to home. Too you, close you, to home, Grant. It's like five duplicitous wives uh, in sequence, not in parallel. And, no, about kobolds. Kobolds. About kobolds. It's called Kobold Quest. It was a hack for Goblin Quest. The Kickstarter went quite well, so I ended up writing um, rules hacks that were as long as the book again. Uh, so Kobold Quest, you have to build a ridiculous contraption to, to please the mighty Dragon King. Of course. Uh, we all must please the Dragon King in the end. Yes, in the end, and indeed at all times. And... Um, to please him by building and drawing a big contraption, then you push the big red button and it all goes wrong and all your kobolds die. Does that does it happen that way every single time? That is that is that, those are the rules of the game, basically. Sort of like the end of the game mousetrap, where all your it, stupid plastic parts get fucked up anyway. It is hundred percent. It's like mousetrap. Mousetrap. It's mousetrap. Mousetrap crossed with OK Go with Rube Goldberg. You have that stupid machine, and everything goes wrong. Yeah. Do they have mousetrap in Australia slash the UK? And America now. Um, yeah, yes, we, we, I grew up with Mousetrap, and I, I must say, I've never actually played it, but I don't think anyone's actually played it. You it's just build good. the machine. No, I don't, it's a terrible game. You just roll some dice, there's a thing. But if you build the machine, there's some funness to, have in, to be had in. There's the cage that goes down, and the man, and there's mouse, there's some cheese. I remember there being a ball along the chute. These things are fun. We should sell that to children. But the actual game is merely like delaying your overall satisfaction of seeing the ball go down the thing and trap the mouse. Right, the game should be called Don't Twitch and Don't Breathe, because if you do, <laughs> the game's going to get ruined. I hate that game. I used to play that game when I was younger, and it's awful. It's a lot but like Bane Surgery. Mother would help it, would, would make us play the game, and yeah. <laughs> uh, clean living. Clean living. <laughs> Granto! Mm hmm Now, as I mentioned, we are perfect strangers. Mm hmm So what motivized you to gain an audience with the majestic and all-knowing Dottore Bolordo? <laughs> Well, I'm keen to, to educate people about uh, illusions, but aside from that, um, your idiot roommate, uh, Mark, uh, does a podcast with my uncle Andy North, I believe. Andy North! Andy North, the Andy North. Scourge of Chicago! <laughs> I wrote a game a while ago called Wizard Battle Hats, um, where you play wizards, you play sexy wizards doing stupid battle magic, and the game is the game is powered by you have a big stack of hats on the table, you have to wear as many hats as possible, the more hats you wear, the more powerful your spells become. Um, and Andy North saw this and was like, I want to be Grant Howard's friend. So he got in touch and was like, I love your game. And then he linked to uh, Mark's uh, podcast, the, uh, the, the Muffed Movies. Uh, Muffed Movies, dangerous rival to Blaster Podcast. Yeah, the, the, uh, the, uh, the dangerous rival. And it was, it, it, I really enjoyed it. I really, I really loved um, Muffed Movies and started listening with the Jaws one. And then I got into... The the official Blaster podcast, obviously, Dottori. Okay. Uh, I to that one. Uh, and it was wonderful to be educated by circus performers on um, personality tests and other such natural combinations. 
it's it's like a scatter shot type show. <laughs> we really make we we hit the randomizer at the start of every show. Mm-hmm. And it landed on illusion. So yeah, and so I um I also figured that everyone involved in the podcast up till now, aside from Uditori, uh, seemed to be like a massive dork. Yeah, and pretty much. I'm like, pretty much, and I'm like, I design games. I can. I'm a massive dork. I could talk about that. Maybe that would be vaguely interesting. So that's what that's what I'm here. No, uh, Grant. Mm-hmm. Today we are talking about illusions. Yes. What is it about illusions and scrage magics that capture your emoliation? So the the thing which really gets me about illusions is perception. Uh, so the idea which we can only be aware of what we see, we can only be aware of what we uh, absorb through our eyes and ear holes and mouth holes and whatever. Seeing That's, is bereaving. Seeing is bereaving. And so the idea that we can see things which aren't naturally there is fascinating. Um, and perhaps, and like once you understand that, the things that you see which are there is distressing. So like just the, the idea that actually we're seeing things upside down and our brains correct it. The basic, the basic illusion which you're, which you're all going through all the time is that things are actually upside down. And we're seeing it, and the brain is flipping it upside down, and just things like that. And it's, so it's 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 fascinating to see that you know we we place so much um, so much stead in being aware of our surroundings and being you know uh, switched on people. And actually, there's we are we're just bags of meat with electricity in, and we have these little these little holes at the top which let us see things and hear things and smell and taste things. And they're really unreliable, and it's fascinating. And the tricks we can play on people, we can hack brains, basically, and that's the really exciting thing, to view the brain as a machine which can be subverted in some way. That's, that's very cool. Grant, I feel many of the things you just said are scientifically accurate. And as a, as a man of science, I feel threatened by the notion that you understand that we are just electric meats and are mm-hmm. meant to be fiddled with. <laughs> I thought that I was alone in this perspective. It's a good thing you're all the way across the pond in New York City. Mm-hmm. Is, is there a pond between us? I'm sure. There, there must be one pond at least. And like directly between you and I? Yeah. I'm sure. I know a river runs through it. Mm-hmm. No, through the pond. What? Is it, is, it, is it Ben Stiller Pond? Ben Stiller Pond? Is it Ben Stiller Pond? Is he in the pond? Uh, he should be. Okay. Carry on. Uh, thank you. I will. Now, Grant, you seem like a decent enough guy. I'm sorry to give you that impression. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to collect it. Because okay. you're about to be punished fearfully. Okay. Don't suck in oxygen through your teeth. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Well, expire for a moment longer because we're going to take a little break. Grant! Mm-hmm. Prepare your body and your bowels. <laughs> because it no, is I, just... I, I need to prepare. Hang on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Reupholster your bowels. Mm-hmm. It is time. Do you know what time it is, Grant? I think I know what time it is. It's time for the episode 33, Grant Howard, All About Illusions Lightning Round Review! <laughs> Brought to you by the Chicago Podcast Cooperative, teaching podcasts to cooperatives since 2015. Grant! Mm-hmm. Art thou prepared? Yes. Knowest how this works? Yes. Okay, then without any further preamble, let's dive into the Lightning Round Review. Question number one. Is it not illusual to be loved by anyone? I mean, that raises an awful lot of questions. I mean, is love itself an illusion? Final answer. Yes, my answer is, is love itself an illusion? Correct! Hey! Question number two! Perception is the conclusion... Wait, and I do wear a neck ruffle like a Puritan. Yeah. But as that's, mo- that's mostly as a crumb catcher. Okay. Delicious crumbs. Mm. What's your favorite kind of crumb, Dottoro? Uh, probably, uh, blue cheese crumble. 
Mm. What's your favorite kind of creme de torre? My favorite kind of creme de torre would be Pop-Tart creme de torre. Oh, yes. Mm. The sweetest there's, treat. There's so many kinds. There are. There's a lot to choose from. Mm. Grant, mm-hmm. don't try to butter me up with talk of crumbs. You're still <laughs> under the hot guns of the lightning round review. Let's go. All right. Question number two. Perception is the conclusion your blank draws from your senses. I'm going to go for brain. Correct! It was the forebrain. Yes. Question number three. <gasps> What's an example of an optical erosion? An optical erosion? Uh, the Penrose Stair. Correct! Question number four. Shit, there's so many questions. Yeah, deal <sighs> with it. Question number four. <laughs> okay. Famous artist M.C. Escher created a cognitive octorock illusion when he drew a structure with a series of gravity-defying what's? Ribbons. Yeah, good enough. Correct. <laughs> Question number five. A phosphine is the phenomenon of seeing light that isn't actually there when you sensuously rub your blanks. Thighs. That's right. Yes. Question number six. Phantom limb is an example of a tactile illusion. What about Gundam Wing? Uh, that is also a tactile illusion where people believe that they have giant uh, robot wings that can fly around and get in really long arguments and like not be giant fighting robots, which is the exciting part of the show. That's also correct! Yes! And final question, question number seven! A hallucination is kind of like the opposite of an actual illusion. Why is that? Well, hallucination comes from entirely within the mind, where, uh, whereas an illusion is something which is a misinterpretation of an outside stimuli. Absolutely, positively correct, Grant! And congratulations! <laughs> seven for seven. That's, that's right, baby. You've chiseled asunder the hard, sweet casing of this fossilized donut and wrenched free the crystalline jelly of victory. As a fun-time good boy treat, you've earned yourself a tube of Dottore's original tooth stain. Tired of those pearly whites reflecting photons directly into your conversation victim's eye sphincters? Well, buff that glare right off with the Torre's original tooth stain. Now with twice the chitin. I can't wait until my teeth have a healthy yellow glow. <laughs> That's already happening. Yes. Welcome to a new segment. Well, welcome to an old segment wearing the clothes of a new segment. We so like. Resplendent. What? It's resplendent. It is resplendent. We like to call this part Time for Learn. Time for Learn. Time for Learn, Grant. It's time for Learn. It's time for Learn. Now, today we're talking all about illusions. Mm -hmm. An illusion is a funny thing. It can make one man weep and another man sing. But the question is, what is an illusion? So, um, generally speaking, an illusion is something which seems to be something different from what we interpret. It's a, a we perceive something as differently from what it from what it is. Our minds get the information wrong because we aren't wired to to process it. So, an illusion seems to be one thing, but is actually another thing entirely. Another thing entirely. That's correct. Hooroo! All right. So, mm-hmm. you mentioned perception. Mm-hmm. What is perception? Perception is the way that we understand things. It's how we understand stimuli. Um, so we have various senses, which we can understand. We, we, have, we have the five big ones. Sense of smell. Mm-hmm. Sense of touch. Uh-huh. Sensitivity. Yes. Oh, that, that, sorry, that, that's actually the twelfth sense. Oh, what's the sixth sense? Uh, that's, that's the one where you see dead people. I haven't developed that yet. I'm still, uh, I'm still uh, growing. You know. as, a master, as a master of illusion, I've got to say, it is awful seeing so many dead people. Because they outnumber us. Like The dead outnumber the living by a 
large amount, and long may you know they, they reign. That's it's true. It's going to be a problem in James of Thrones. James of Thrones. Yeah, it's of a course. new it's a new series of books that was just written. Oh, I oh, all right, okay. So it's it's not like Game of Thrones. That's no, Grant. James your thick accente is ruining the word James of Thrones. I'm really sorry. I have this exotic voice. <laughs> it's bizarre, and I'm an Italian man. Mm-hmm. I'm from Bologna. Okay. Grimnet, mm-hmm. what is perception? <laughs> so perception, or perception, as we'd say, saying we weren't educated in Bologna. Perception. Uh, perception is the way that we understand something. It's the conclusion that our mind draws from the input our senses receive from the outside world. So let's say uh, you're listening at a closed door. You're listening at a closed door. Okay, good. Now let's say you hear a bunch of people. You hear a bunch of people. And I'm you're, good at this. It's great, isn't it? And you're like... There must be a bunch of people in there. Uh-huh. However, you open the door, there's not a bunch of people. There's one person and some sort of vocal mirror. Maybe there's some speakers playing or whatever to, to, to manufacture the, uh, the idea of sound. Did you just say a vocal mirror? Mm-hmm, a vocal mirror. It, it, it reflects voice. You really are a guy who develops wizard hat games. <laughs> James. James, yep. Yeah. It's a thing, you know, it could be a thing. Why not? I mean, technically, all walls are vocal mirrors. Activate the vocal mirror. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, can you activate a normal mirror? Yes. Okay. What happens? You shine light on it. I mean, there's always light. I suppose you're in the dark. Anyway, yeah. So, you perceived that there were lots of people in that room in this hypothetical scenario, but in fact, there were only a series of vocal mirrors, <laughs> and one person shouting into those mirrors, trying trying to delude you. A delusionist. A delusionist. Yes, or indeed an illusionist. And so, like the the reason why we have perception is because otherwise we would be bricks, and that'd be shit. We 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 exist as uh, uh, wind back the tape. We would be what? Bricks. Bricks. It's well, like to use a computing term, bricks. Like if a console or a PC bricked it, meaning like it's it's bricked. It's no longer functional. It's just a lump of silicon. So okay, if we had no senses, we would be meat bricks. I like the way that I just pretended that was a phrase I've used in the past. It's not a phrase you used in the past. Not at all. (laughs) See, because uh, Garnet. It, mm-hmm. We have a bit of a language communication barrier because I am a highly intelligent, specialized man of science mm-hmm. who speaks purely through jargon. Mm-hmm. You are a nerd. Yes, and I have you know, ton of the nerds. You know about words like armor class and hit dice, mm-hmm. right? Safe throw. And you use the C word liberally. Where were we? We went off on so, a... a bricks. We're talking about bricks. bricks. And so, so we have perceptions so that we can exist as humans and exist in the world. And so some perception is, inst- is instinctual and some is learned through life experience. But the goal of perception is to take stimuli around and let us prosper and survive. It lets us make quick determinations about the world to help us avoid danger. I love um, avoiding danger. It's great. It's better than the, the other option, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, do you like avoiding danger like, like just by a hair's breadth or by a long way? It depends on the danger. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, let's go. Uh, if, if I'm in danger of breathing in some hair, then mm-hmm. I love avoiding danger by a hair's breadth. Mm-hmm. If I'm in danger of breathing in a chainsaw, mm-hmm. I'd like a little more distance. A little more distance. Okay, cool. I'm comfortable with a little bit of distance. Mm-hmm. I'm in an open relationship with chainsaws. You see. Um. Good. You don't want to be in a closed relationship with chainsaws. Not ready to close the marriage on that. They gotta sort down trees. You don't want to get jealous. Yeah. I'm like, so in, in your marriage, is, that, is you using the chainsaw of the marriage? Are you in like an abusive relationship? I mean, it's not abusive because the chainsaw, maybe the chainsaw wants to be used. I don't want to shame the chainsaw. Whoa, 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 whoa. Marriage is yeah. not about using the other <laughs> object. It's so about what, what spending you your life with it. So you just hang out with the chainsaw? Yeah, like put it in yeah. the back of a tandem bike. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, walk with it on the beach. 
Do you rig it up to the pedals and then set it off? Of course. <laughs> that chainsaw's faster than me. <laughs> chainsaw Sally. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. Every man must have a dream. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you and Sally aren't actually a thing? No. But, but is your dream to marry a chainsaw? What's stopping you? Oh, jeez. I don't know. What is this, Dr. Freud? Just. I'm on OK Cuthbert, Grant. <laughs> it's really rare to find chainsaws on that story. It is. It is. Chainsaws are bad at the internet because they, they don't uh, have like uh, accessibility keyboards for their type of particular type of actuators. <laughs> Riving teeth. Yes. Is there any other kind? Uh, no. Grant, mm-hmm. tell us of the types of illusions. Okay. So there are, um, there are three main types of illusions. What we get through our head holes. There, are, uh, there is, well, actually, two through our head holes. There's optical. Uh, so it's things that we see, uh, like color, light patterns, angles, uh, presentation of things which aren't true. There is auditory, things that we hear, which are technically impossible. Uh, there is tactile, which is things that we feel, like phantom limbs, as mentioned during the Lightning Round review. Mm-hmm. And there is also um, illusions over time perception as well. So we, we can perceive time in different ways depending on our chemical makeup in our bodies. Oh boy, here we go. Doctor Who, lay it on me. How time so, is a flat circle. Time, time is a flat circle. Yeah, time is a flat circle. Um, I'm a fat circle. <laughs> you're a fat circle in a flat circle of time. Uh, no, but like, uh, say for example, um, when you are in a very stressful situation, like say you and your chainsaw are on your wedding night and you've never, you've never made love to a chainsaw before and you're worried about what's going to happen. Yeah. When, you, when you're in a dangerous situation, like when you're not avoiding a chainsaw by hair's breadth, but in fact you are... Embracing that chainsaw in loving ham-like arms. Enmeshing it in my folds. Mm. That, that, that fight or flight response. And, and also, interestingly enough, like, um, where, yeah, I'm talking about um, making love to a chainsaw here. Making love to a human, or seeing a human that you love, or being in that, in, that, in, that, in that situation where you have to make a decision about what to do, and it's very high stress, high, uh, uh, high stakes. So life or death, or um, falling in love and meeting someone you love for the first time, you're your brain starts soaking in as much information as possible. It's called the oddball effect. The oddball effect. The oddball effect. Uh, so the idea, So um, if, say, for example, if you've been in a building which caught fire or you were ever, um, you, had, you ever had to, uh, well, one of the things I do as well as a, as, as a game designer, I design, I design live games. And so uh, a while ago, I used to run this game called Zombie uh, LARP, which is pretty much self-explanatory. We had zombies. Yeah, with the uh, WK23 virus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we all know about that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, th- I thought I thought Bioflex shut that down. <laughs> um, yeah, so you designed life mm. games like the most dangerous game. The most dangerous game. So they say, I mean, you are literally hunting humans um, in the form of zombies. And Zombledore? Zombles, uh, underground, overground, zombling free. And do, do you have the Wombles in America? <clears throat> do we have the one balls? The Wombles. The Wombles. The Wombles. No. The Wombles of Wimbledon Common away. Listen to what you're saying. Of course we don't have that. We have, like, sex dagger teens for kids. Knife smoking. It was a a kids show uh, called The Wombles, and there were these little little creatures who lived underground Wimbledon Common, which is a place in London, Mm. and they they used stuff that everyday folks left behind, and they they had adventures. So they were blatant recyclists. Yeah. Recyclivores. They were, I mean, they were living in, they were living in a trash heap. You know, they stole things. It's better than they deserve. Yeah, pretty much. They should have been burnt to death. However, (laughs) Zombles is what I was talking about. And quite often, so um, 
in a LARP or a live action role playing game, you often get quite high. You get to manufacture those life or death style situations because you have high stakes. Because if you die, then your character's dead, and it's not quite as high stakes as actually dying in real life. But it's still pretty important. And you want to try and stay alive as possible. So if we swarm you with zombies, then we would talk to people afterwards, and they would know that say they had thirty five bullets in a gun they had. They would know every single location they fired those bullets and how many. Because their brain is just soaking up information like a sponge. And a, a big part of actually getting that information, a big part of weaving the illusion, actually, is sitting down the people after a game and getting them to talk about what happened and so they can construct a, a, a cogent narrative. You had a debeef with them. A debeef, yeah. They had some beefs and I removed them. You removed their beefs? Mm-hmm. Cool. It's a beef. Holy C word. <laughs> <laughs> you can say it. It's okay. So, um, uh, illusions. Hmm. Now, uh, optical illusion is perhaps what people think of most of yeah. all when they think of illusions. Yeah, that's the popular one. Yeah, popticals. Popticals, optical illusions. Can you, so that, can you help us understand some optical illusions we may have seen in our livras? God, I'd love to. I mean, there's, there's, three main, there's three main kinds of optical illusion. There's literal optical illusions, um, and these are probably the most boring kind. Uh, they, it makes one thing look like another, but everyone knows what's going on. So you know that picture of where there are vegetables, but they look like a face? Of course. Mm-hmm. That's, that is a literal illusion. So we all know what's going on. It's not especially confusing. There's also a physiological illusions. Um, so uh, that's when your senses are overstimulated. So uh, with, the, with the eyes, this is like when you push down on your eyes, as we said earlier in Lightning Round Review, and you can, you can see those, uh, those flashing patterns. Or when you see a very bright light, and you have after images on your, on your eyes. Yeah. That's, um, those are physiological uh, illusions. Similarly, like if you hear a very loud noise, you go to a concert, you might have ringing ears, and um, to a lesser extent, the uh, phenomenon of ASMR. So I, I, I am affected. Are you affected by ASMR, Dottori? It'll probably make me feel weird. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. So I, am I can affected. girk off to just about anything, Grant. <laughs> that's, that's one of your many talents. Any life form, really. Uh, hey, you know, don't limit, don't limit yourself. Fungus? Uh, water bear? Water bears. You know what a water bear is? A tardigrade? Yeah, they, 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 look, they look like fun. I don't think I want to have sex with one, but they do look like fun. They live under Cobblestone Station and they use garbage to make their houses. <laughs> do you have the water bears in the UK? No, we must have, we must have a different... No, I think we, we have one and you guys have water bears. Oh. Well, they're, mm. they're right, it comes on right after knife smokers for kids. <laughs> do you want to know my favorite fact about bears? Sure do. Uh, when they hibernate, they have to make themselves a butt plug. Oh, what? So they have to um, they have to eat a load of really resinous materials like pine needles yeah. and bark and guff and eat that. It forms this big plug which stops them just doing turds in their nest. <laughs> in their nest, the den? I don't know where bears sleep. Uh, in the they, bear hole. They, they don't have a nest, that's for sure. The bear hole. The, I don't know, the, bear, the cave? But wait a minute. Why, why doesn't their colon rupture from... Uh, oh, I guess they're not taking in any more food when they're sleeping. No, they're not. No, uh, it's 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 also known as a tappan or rectal plug. How do they get it out? Smaller mm. bear. Yes, a smaller bear. Um, a smaller bear comes along and just um, pecking order. G- gently, gently removes that through a series of massages. Deep tissue massage. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, honestly, no one knows why they do it. I said like, so, so, so they don't leave toads in their nest, but it forms during hibernation. Um, and that's just a thing which happens, and the bears have evolved to make this massive turdy butt plug, and no one quite knows why. <laughs> huh. Which is, which is actually, a better, it's actually a better fact. Nature is really horrible, Grant. 
It's, it's disgusting, isn't it? You've dispelled my illusions that bears are cool. Brown in tooth and butt. Oh, okay, so physiological or type of optical illusion. Any other type of optical illusion out there? The best, well, the best kind of optical illusion is cognitive. Quar? Cognitive. So cognitive are optical illusions which are the result of unconscious interferences. So these, these are the things which I'm most interested in in optical terms. Because we aren't programmed to see certain items. We aren't programmed to see certain shapes. We have a set of shapes in our head which are best for surviving and hunting and running away from things and, you know, being general humans. And it's possible to create shapes um, in two dimensions which look three-dimensional, which is generally, that's one of the basic ways of doing it, um, which look impossible. And when you look at them, your eyes start slipping around, you can't quite tell what's there because um, if, we just, if we just experience everything firsthand all the time, it would be incredibly tiresome and everyone would go irrevocably mad. Irrevocably? What are no. you, HP Lovejob? Yeah, I'm HP Lovejob. <laughs> hey, there's a game idea for you. That's your you HP can Lovejob. have that one free. HP <laughs> uh, Lovecraft took a wife, actually, um, and he was described as a perfectly adequate lover. Where did he take her? I was like, um, to to Arkham. Did they? Did he close the marriage? He closed the marriage forever. Well, like, like he like he he lived like. He lived apart from her in a different city for, the, for almost the entirety of their marriage. He was an awful human being. He was, he was terrible. He, he did, if you've ever read any of his books... Um, yeah, he's he pretty not, racist. He did not like women or people who went white. Hmm. <laughs> or like the Irish. He, yeah, he had a lot of problems, basically. Did, did old Hewlett Packard Lovecraft. Yeah. Hmm. And now we're buying t-shirts with his dumb little squid guy on it. God, I wrote a game based on his shirt. Because I, I, I was told that, writing, uh, that if I had a Kickstarter, I should put in a Cthulhu stretch goal because it would make me more money and it was really true oh <laughs> i better change my podcast yeah you can do a cthulhu episode i'm sure Blast. i'm sure you could find a hundred nerds who could talk about cthulhu a hundred nerds uh the great kenneth height the local chicago uh, you could get ken height yeah ken, ken height did he, he wrote for my most recent book actually Hooroo! he did a series of um puns based around sean bean films which don't exist oh the yes the sean bean death a mod to your game where yeah. like, all the Sean Beans get killed, not sequentially yeah. or not in, in in parallel. What is it? Sequentially, not in parallel. What's that stupid thing you like to say? <laughs> uh, in order, not all at once. How about that? Yeah, it, all it, it, these are confusing concepts to me, Grant. Well, I thought you were a man of science. I'm a man of science. Mm -hmm. I need hard evidence, mm. not words like parallel, <laughs> sequential. <laughs> So, um, so cognitive illusions to to uh, to streak back to the topic I had. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so the most famous one says uh, uh, so there's the Necker cube, um, and really it's the best topic for a podcast which is done entirely through the auditory medium. It's for me to loosely describe impossible shapes. I like your loose, watery descriptions. Thank you. Um, so the Necker cube um, is we've all seen it. You've seen it. You can you, you can draw one immediately. We've been um, there. It, We've all been there, you know. It's it's late, three a.m. Everyone else at the party is drawing necker cubes. You're like, why don't I try this? You know, but kids, it's wrong. Don't start. Stop necker cubes until they start. But if you look at one, it's um it's a wireframe of a cube, and it's possible to perceive it uh, either uh, fr from different angles if it were a three dimensional object. Uh, a bit like there's a famous GIF or GIF yeah. of a lady, sorry, famous GIF of a lady spinning. Thank you. Are you aware of the lady spinning? Are you talking about the ballerina? The ballerina, yeah. Oh yes, I have looked at that GIF many of times. Jesus, and yeah, and so it's, so it's possible to have her rotate however you decide. Of course. Yeah. The Necker cube. 
The NECA cube. The, when when you when it's said with your accent, it sounds less racist than when I say it. <laughs> yeah, it does sound a bit racist, doesn't it? Yeah. Neca- Try saying it in an English accent. The NECA cube. Yeah, so the NECA cube, right? It's one of these imaginary three-dimensional spaces. It's sub sort sub sort of wireframe cube, and when you look at it, it changes the way you perceive the cube. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's, that's right, Bob. The size of a tangerine. <laughs> It could be any size, as long as it's the size of a tangerine. Uh, other other cognitive hacks are the Penrose Stair, uh, also known as... So, uh, MC Escher uh, made them famous. My favorite DJ! Um, which, wouldn't that be DJ Escher? What? So, MC Escher did uh, impossible paintings. These what everyone refers to when you think of these. But in fact, um, first off, he didn't invent the idea of crazy stairs. Oh. Uh, uh, Penrose, a man called... I believe it was Arthur Penrose, but I might be wrong. A Penrose uh, and Penrose Jr., um, invented the idea of stairs. Um, just like, the idea of stairs? They took the <laughs> inclined plane and they chopped it up? Up until then, it was all ladders or ramps. Hmm. It was great. They said, fuck uh, you, wheelchairs. <laughs> Go to hell. And so, ED-209. So, <laughs> so um, Penrose is commonly credited uh, as inventing the Penrose stair. However, he didn't do it. What? No, I know. It, 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 let's go deeper. Okay. Ouch! It was a man My called. My tap hole. You should duck when you go deeper. Um, it, was a, it was a Swedish man called Oscar Reutersvard. Oscar Reutersvard, I believe, is the pronunciation. Pretty good. Um, and in 1934, he invented the impossible triangle, um, which is a. We've all seen one. It's like the Necker cube. Um, it has. It's a triangle made out of rectangles, so like three rectangles arranged, and from the glancing at it, it looks fine, but then actually the the sides don't add up. It doesn't make any sense, and that was that was kind of recognized as the first impossible object which existed. Um, and uh, Roosevelt did that. He also did the uh, the Penrose stairs about four years before Penrose did them, oh. uh, which, is a, which is a thing I learned. Now, I, now that, that's pushed useful knowledge out of my head. <laughs> but you're pushing useful knowledge into the heads of my listeners. That's true. Yeah, so soak it up. Um, soak so it up, bitches. Don't call them Escher stairs. Call them Rutersvard stairs. Mm, I feel like we're your, probably not going to do that. Your friends will, will respect you. But my, my favorite um, impossible object is uh, it's done. It's called either a blivet or a poyot or a whole location gauge, or a devil's tuning fork, or an ambiguous trident. <laughs> these, are all, these are all legit names. It was, it was on the front cover of Mad Magazine in, in the 1960s. And so it's, it's a three-pronged trident. Um, and I'm, I'm acting out the three-prong with my hands now, which is, again, really fucking useful for a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't make sense. Um, like, one, one of the trident prongs, or tines, is attached to the underside, but also the top side. It doesn't make sense. It physically can't exist. Yeah, your eyeballs scroll down the the arms of this mm. shape and you think you're going to see a certain amount of arms on the other end but right. then it's a different amount of arms you you, like, you want to be sure how many arms you've got in any situation and this is not one of those situations so it is a um it is a it is a brain hack because we are used to seeing things line up in certain ways and this doesn't work and it's really, you have to really focus on it and not just take your instinctive reactions and and try and understand i drew one today as a as a Whoa. practice and it took me a while Check out this go. It took me a while, but yeah. That's, so so that, that, those are the three kinds of optical hacks. Um, and like the, the the cognitive are the most interesting ones. We've also got ones like um, the bezel effect. So like there's like different colors look different next to other colors. Yes. Darker or lighter. Um, there's those really fun ones where circles are different sizes, but they don't have funny names like the devil's tuning fork. 
Yes, uh, take two circles yep. of the same size, mm -hmm. surround one of them with great big a ring of great big circles, and surround yep. the other one with a ring of itty bitty circles, and the circles you started with, which were the same size, appear to be different sizes all of a sudden. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Time to look at circles. Um, and we've also got things like uh, Disneyland. What? Disneyland is big optical illusion, which is fascinating. What are you talking um, about? Disneyland is fake. It's not I mean, it exists. It's a real land. It's a real land. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, sure. They, I mean, they have, they have, a, they have a standing army and a monarch, but <laughs> they have all those orphans died there. <laughs> Gotta make the castle somehow. Yeah. No, you, know, you, you can't make a castle without breaking a few orphans. Oh. So the idea of uh, Disneyland is that when when you come and it's supposed to look like this massive, incredible land stretching off ahead of you. And it's supposed to be quick to walk down. So when you when you enter Disneyland, and this is all Walt's idea. Um, you were on first name terms. Um, you see you see the big Disneyland castle. Um, it seems huge because things which are further away from us seem bigger. It's like that episode of Father Ted. You have, you have Father Ted over here, right? Uh, on BBC America. Oh, it, was, it was very good. Anyway, um, the, the the brain has problems determining whether things are big or whether they are far away, much like Father Dougal and Father Ted. And the Disneyland castle is built in a certain way, so it looks huge because the perspective of the street leading up to it is skewed. And so all of the all the buildings in Disneyland along that main stretch of road, um, they are their perspective is fucked basically. So it doesn't the the third story of most of those buildings in Disneyland, there's not enough room for a human in them. Whoa, just a hobbit. But just a hobbit, yeah. Which is which is how they start the upper floors. Hmm. Um, but you, so that you can sort of crawl around in there if you wanted to for some sort of nefarious reason. But they're not, like, it's not actually, it's not actually a functional building, but it looks like a functional building. So we are, we are hugely impressed that this castle is so big and it seems so far away. But yet it seems really quick to walk to it. And then when you turn around, everything seems much closer because you're seeing the, the optical illusion from the other way. So you can walk back or whatever. But it's, um, it's all a trick, basically. Disneyland is an incredible... Like, the idea of theme parks as well, just as an experience, there's an entire podcast in that. It's hugely interesting, the way they form the uh, the experience of people coming through and the the spikes of adrenaline and how, like, in any, in any good uh, theme park, you will not be allowed back out into the theme park after a ride. Like, there's going to be, like, a minute or so where you see nothing because you're so massively overstimulated, much like I said with the froth, with the with the oddball effect. You get the oddball effect. And so you need some time to process that and say to, you know, whoever you were riding, holy shit, that was incredible. Did you see that? But I was really scared there, blah, 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 blah. And then you come out, you buy a picture, you go out, but it's not, they just don't just throw you right back out into the park. Huh. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's the uh, theme parks are a fascinating way of, of just of human hacking zones. Like supermarkets, like malls, ways of programming humans without realizing that they do stuff, which pro I probably should have done that instead of this solutions nonsense. Uh. Anyway. Back to the drawing board, Grant. Ah, throw it out. Delete the podcast. Grant! Yes? We talked about optical illusions. Mm -hmm. But what is the deal with these auditory illusions? Auditory illusions are um, illusions of the ears. So you might hear things which aren't there, or hear more, more commonly impossible sounds, the sounds which can't make sense. And the best, the best auditory illusion, uh, bar none, is the shepherd tone. Uh, and we should probably we should play one like in the podcast. All right, um, ladies and gentlemen, prepare for the shepherd tone.
Grant. That, that was, was weird. Yeah. Um, so the so the shepherd tone is the way it works. It is a, it is a the illusion of a continually rising or falling note, which never changes in pitch. It never actually gets anywhere. Um, so it just sounds like it's continually building and building and building and building, and it's done through science. Science. Um, yeah, I'm not going to entirely pr pretend I understand how it works, but something about overlaying notes an octave apart and then having a rising pitch in the background or some bullshit. I don't know. I listen, I don't understand. But the fun part of it is that it just it tricks our brains into thinking this noise is going up when in fact it isn't going anywhere. Huh. Um, and they've used this tone um, in video games. Video games. So, um, Super Mario 64. Um, yeah, so uh, there's a bit in Super Mario 64 where you are in the castle and you're running up an endless staircase. Yeah. And they use a shepherd tone in that. It's also the hyperdrive engines in Elite Dangerous, which is a uh, space sim. But most importantly, in Batman, Batman, the um, Batman! Dark Knight, Batman, the Dark Knight, and the Dark Knight Rises, the sound of the Batmobile accelerating is a shepherd tone. Whoa. Just continually rising. Like he, like he ain't shifting through gears. That's just going up. That's amazing. Yeah, pretty cool, right? Great, you just taught Tatore something. Yeah, that's how it feels. That's how it feels. That's how your listeners feel all the time. Oh, well, I am doing a public cervix. Mm-hmm, really? Yeah. Mm, okay, <laughs> I'm keep that on the down low. Okay, Cuthbert. <laughs> uh, so shepherd tone is a sound which is impossible. Mm-hmm, and, and uh, this, this, this isn't an impossible sound, but there's a, my, uh, there's a phrase called the McGurk effect. Oh, boy, here we go. So it sounds like, like I'm guessing, like a 1980s TV drama about a sheriff. Mm -hmm. Sheriff McGurk. Hey, who this... comes through and has an effect. Well, I lost the accent there. That, that, that <laughs> That's pretty he's good. A, he's an effect. <laughs> he's, he's a South African sheriff. A South African. A South African, yes. Uh, Hello. McGurk, McGurk has an effect on speech. Uh, but the, uh, the, 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 the principle behind the McGurk effect is that speech is understood through vision and context and hearing, not just hearing. Um, so it's really it's really easy to, to to hear something wrong where if you're looking at someone but they're, but the, they're, they're, they're dubbed over with something else. And the example they have is if you have a video of someone saying the 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 sound ga ga ga, and then you dub over the sound of them saying ba to any to most listeners that sounds like da. Whoa! Because the um, the mouth movement for ga is closer to da, and the audio, the the um, the audio for bar is close enough to da to morph it in. So you will hear someone going da 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 when in fact they're going ba, because we're looking at their mouth and we're perceiving it as a different thing. That's bizarro. Um, and apparently, like you can train yourself out of this by watching a lot of um, um, subtitle uh, uh, dubbed movies, not subbed. Like dubstep movies. Dub yeah, but a, a lot of movies about dubstep. So mm -hmm. like Skrillex Rise Again and um, Herbie's Skrillex Adventures. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, Hogan's Nero's. Nero's? Nero. Nero. Oh, Nero. Yeah, that, that, they're adjusted. Yeah, well done. There you go. That's good. Thank you. I'm not you're so out of touch. Down with the kids' musics. Yeah. I'm part of the youth culture. Yeah. So that, 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 I think that has the best name, the McGurk Effect. The McGurk Effect. Uh, and there's something McGurk Effect? The McGurk Effect. There's, <laughs> welcome to the McGurk Effect. There is there's also the phenomenon known as uh, binaural beats. Oh, boy. Uh, which are full of. Honestly, a lot of hogwash and uh, poppycock. Is that where Harry Potter went to university? Yes, he did. Yes, he went to Hogwash University after he went to Hogwarts School of Wizardry and Witchcraft. So you're saying these sweet binocturnal beats are hogwash? They are. They are literal hogwash. Uh, and by that I mean they're false rather than being an advanced school of witchcraft and wizardry. 
This is an auditory hallucination that doesn't it it doesn't exist. It's not real. It does exist. So the idea behind vulnerable beats um, is you have two noises of a slightly differing frequency played in both of your ears. Both are like indignity. Um, yes, but not in frequency. Okay. And so about ten hertz out. And we'll, we'll, we'll interpret those as rather than having two separate noises, it'll sound like a beat or a pulsing noise. Oh. It's, um, this is useful. So like, uh, uh, interesting that people who have Parkinson's can't, di- can't discern it. So it's, it's, it's a way to determine whether someone has Parkinson's. I mean, there's other, there's other better <gasps> clues. Grant, it's like a Cylon detector. If the Cylon Parkinson's. Parkinson's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very different Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Uh, um, but... And also, interestingly enough, um, when uh, when binaural uh, beats were tested on on women, um, their their capacity to to hear the the rhythm uh, depended. Oh, it was it was on a monthly cycle. They believe it might be tied to hormones uh, done for the menstrual cycle. People use it to meditate. People use it to take legal highs. Um, but it's a lot of that is running off the placebo effect and the fact that it's it sounds kind of trippy and it's kind of cool and it's it's a nice it's always nice to have a constant noise to relax to. And if you're if you're over that mind and you think of doing something, then you can get you can get legal highs off it. But it's not like as good as legal highs, which are significantly more effective. Legal highs it. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Nice. It's part of the gazebo effect. Well, Grant. Yeah. We've talked about auditories. We've talked about optatories. Yeah. What about the tactile illusion? Tactile illusions. Um, so I want you to do. I want you to do something for me, auditory. All right. I want you to cross your sausage-like fingers. All right. Mm-hmm. <sighs> there we go. Oh. Once a year. <laughs> Place them on your nose. Place them on the bridge of your nose. Yes. And then stroke up and down your nose. Oh, Grant, I don't like where this is headed. It's okay. It's fine. It's, just, it's not like your ASMR. It's not a sex thing. All right. I'm feeling some thick and meaty oils. Yeah. Uh, the the subtle velveteen squish of of a phlebitis-filled nose. Uh, a, drink, a drinker's nose. Yes, that's right. The coarse, thick hair is protecting me from the outside world. And of so, course, my bushy mustache. Okay, don't go down to your mustache. That shouldn't be growing up over your nose. Well, mm. it's summer. So, like, you want to. That's the worst time for a mustache. <laughs> so, you want to start at the, the bulb of the nose and go up to the, to the captain, to the, 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 the fellow at the top, the, the, uh, the ridge. The captain? Um, the captain of the nose, an English phrase. Yeah, that's super English. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> how did you invent my language? <laughs> we had a lot of time. That's true. I guess the more time you have, the more it gets crazy. Yeah. So, so you cross your fingers, and if you ignore the uh, luxurious oils, uh, you can sense um, it feels like two noses. A, two noses. I don't feel this. I just feel like I've got one nose, and it's a bit weird. What is this magic? Um, what that does is it's a spell. It's the somatic component. Is when you cross your fingers, that summons two noses onto your face. Don't look in the mirror. It will be really distressing. <laughs> No, it's an illusion. It's an illusion. It's an illusion. You only have one nose, as ever. Thank goodness. Um, and you can cross your fingers, and it. But because we're used to feeling things on certain parts of our bodies, we can feel. It's a bit like also. Um, you can, you can cross your hands and tap, uh, tap things. And if if your if your hands are in different locations the way they used to, you can start perceiving them as different hands. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Why not? That makes sense. <laughs> I get my hands mixed up all the time. It's difficult. I mean, you I'm putting write. them in other people's pockets, and they're like, "Excuse me," and I'm like, "Sorry, I thought that was your hand." I'm sorry, I thought that was my pocket. Yeah, it's, it's an easy mistake to make. Uh, but the most exciting tactile illusion, and the other one I have is phantom limbs. Phantom uh, limbs. Phantom limbs, which are weirdly common. Honestly, I didn't realize, but like 80% of amputees report having phantom limb sensations. Whoa. Yeah. Who knew? 
Um, well, I, I knew, and then I told you. And they, I knew. Was, mm, they knew. God, they knew. Um, and the other thing about them is no one really knows what causes them. Uh, it was known, it was thought for a while that it was junk data. So you had your arm locked off, your nerve endings were there, and they were like, hey, where's the arm? And so they send back, they send back information, and then the, the discordance between the signals you got and the fact that you had no arm, it gave you pain, discomfort, itching, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and they found with, like, the ways they treat it is like they, a, a massive shot of anesthetic to the spine. Oh. Um, but also, researchers at MIT have where, worked with getting robot arms in place. But robot arms with uh, feedback, so like haptic feedback. So when they, so when the robot arm touches something, it can program in um, sensations of the of, of of touch, very very basic touch, to the to the user, which removes the sensation of phantom arm. Um, but the mo- the exciting thing about phantom limbs is not phantom limbs; it's phantom eyes. What? Phantom eyes are a thing, and if you get your eye taken out, if you don't have a replacement put in, like a glass eye or whatever, people perceive lights and images that aren't there through their eye. What? Yeah. So, so d- I mean, the lights and images are they are they uh, coherent enough to be like, oh, it's like I'm looking at a bus right now? No, it's like it's, it's just it's just lights. It's just you know, it's just um, vague, lights. Uh, like like dancing lights, like the spell. Uh, like like when you close your eyes and push them with your thumbs. Um, it's just vague vague flashes and illusions and the, the idea of basic stimuli. Uh, Even though there's no actual photons going into your crusty socket. No no crusty sockets. And the cure is having something put in there. The cure is having uh, something put in the orbit of the eye. And that that stops the sensation. That stops the idea that there's there's this junk feedback and you can't see what's going on. So it's like the body. It's 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 interesting enough. The idea is that the body knows what it's supposed to do. This woman had her arm uh, lopped off. Uh, she was born with a with a malformed hand. So she had she had uh, three fingers on 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 her left arm. Lost it in a car crash, and she developed phantom limb sensations. But she had the phantom sensation of having five fingers and a fully normal arm. Whoa! And and, and it's like it's it's been hypothesized that the human body knows what it's supposed to look like. So it's like coming in through the DNA, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's like a phantom limb upgrade. Hmm. But crucially, less useful than having a three fingered limb. That's true. Mm. You could hold That's a bowling true. ball with three fingers. Not, not well, but yeah. How many fingers do you use to hold a bowling ball, Grant? All ten. <laughs> All ten of your fingers? Uh, and my mouth. Whoa. What do we even use illusions for? What's the point of these stupid things? Is this just party tricks to oh, show oh. off to your friends? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. No, no, it's not. Um, I have an answer. <laughs> so, like, um, one, of the most, one of the most interesting things about illusions is glamour is the idea of presenting yourself as something you're not. And this is a really basic illusion, but something which we all do all the time. Like David Bowie? Um, yeah, that, like, like David Bowie. Um, but D- David Bowie is actually a really good example, because David Bowie, um, uh, I actually watched Labyrinth a couple of nights ago. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. It's a, he's, he's, he's really just David Bowie in that. That's great. <laughs> he's, he is 100% David Bowie all the time. He's got those sharp teeth. He's, just, he's, got, he's, like, he's like a shark of a man. Those child-eating teeth. Oh, delicious. So, um... David Bowie has makeup and he has weird clothes and he has the hands that are continually playing with his balls and he has his massive hair um, sure does. S- spricked up. And that's an illusion of him being otherworldly and elf-like and king of the goblins. And like that's like, the traditional idea of glamour is something what fairies do. Um, like, you know, fake creatures, otherworldly things. And the idea that, you know, makeup, uh, high heels, shoulder pads, um, angular suits these idea that we are putting forward an image, we are putting forward an illusion of something, like of a body shape, of a person which we want to be. 
and people can interpret that however they feel. But the uh, like uh, a uniform is an illusion. A um, a high vis jacket is an illusion of being one that you're meant to be there if you're wearing a high vis jacket, and two that you're nominally in charge. Wait a minute, high vis jacket for those who are, are not those? <laughs> for those who are not in the know. That's some sort of cyberpunk thing, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You, you upload it to your comp node. What's a high-vis jacket, Grant? Oh, it's like they wear them on buildings. It's like those reflective yellow um, waistcoats they wear on uh, building sites. Oh, yeah. We just call them reflective vests or reflective jackets. Okay, well, high-vis is a high-visibility jacket. Or high -vis. It sounds so futuristic. It does, doesn't it? It sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Hack the Gibson. Hack the Gibson. Hack the Gibson. Um... But there are other uses aside from just fooling people into thinking that you are good looking because you have contoured makeup on. So there is magic. What? Yeah, magic. Science? So, mm, the, magic, the enemy of science. Magic the Gathering? <laughs> Science's oldest foe, Magic the Gathering, but that was entirely an illusion. Uh, no, like, <laughs> the illusion not... that it's a good idea to drop so much money on cards that you're only going to use for a little while. Hey I'm sorry, as a game designer, I'm kind of shitting on uh, your listen, occupation. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I don't like magic. Um, you play magic? No, I don't did, like it. It's, um, did you I, ever? Um, I, I had a go, but basically, from what I can tell, magic is the game of going, oh, you tried this. <laughs> Fuck you, I'm doing this. Over and over for like half an hour. Yeah. And it's really, it's really, it's, it's um, what's the word? Confrontational and boring, and I'd much rather have something creative. Yeah, uh, there's like, a lot I, of friendships that get hurt in that game. Precisely. And I can see why people play it. I can see why it's a great game, like mechanically, but it's not my scene. Yeah. Um, but magic, like non-magic the gathering, like magic magic. Like stage magic. Stage magic or micro magic or parlor magic. What, um, what the shit are you talking about? <laughs> so parlor magic is um, magic which you might see at a restaurant or at a, at a, like a, a burlesque show or something where it's like it's it's it's, it's uh, burlesque is the wrong word. Uh, it's 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 not a full stage, but people are walking around. Uh, you also might see it on the street. So like street magic. David Blaine does parlor magic. He doesn't do it in a parlor. Right. Well, actually, David Blaine is a prick now and he hangs upside down. But back when David Blaine was not so famous, he used to do parlor magic, but on the street. And, uh, I'm yeah. going to drop a, a bitter pill on you right now. Mm -hmm. uh, you live in New York, New mm -hmm. York City. Yeah. Okay. Most places in the U.S. don't have restaurants where people do magic at you. No. Okay. Sorry. I <laughs> that is a rarefied occasion. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you, you're not going to find don't... a whole lot of magic going on in <laughs> Tulsa. So they don't come around and like tug the specials and then like do a, do a quick trick and throw a woman in half. No. No, uh, I mean, we still saw women in half all across the Midwest, but it's more traditional. <laughs> For different reasons. Because of so, a closed marriage situation. Mm, Tutorial, I, I dig that. I dig that it's not, it's, not a, it's not a thing. But like traditionally, it's done in a club or restaurant situation where someone might hire entertainment to go around and charm people. The same way that you might have a musician in a restaurant. Yes. Um, but honestly, both of which I hate. I'm not interested in having. I'm trying to eat my food. You hate I restaurants. You hate musicians. 100%. No, I hate, I hate restaurant musicians. I hate when you're at a party and some guy starts playing guitar. Yeah, that's son of a bitch. Like, and you're like, why do I look? Do I have to shut up now? Like He, he ruins your birthday. Song. Pretty much, yeah. Every year, he gets some guy. Comes why do they keep inviting that guy? Um, Parlor magic! Parlor magic and micro magic, which is like looking directly at a deck of cards and doing card tricks. Those are the different grades of magic. This is really not on topic. Um, but the idea of magic, the way that all magic works, or indeed faith healing, which I'm going to get onto in a sec, um, uh, parlor magic works. Uh, all magic works by you have. We have presupposed um, reactions to stimuli, and magic plays off those. Magic? So, if we if we saw cards go on top of a deck, then we're like, those cards are on top of the deck. And then if those cards are then inside the deck, we're like, they must have magically moved there. 
because we haven't we we don't have the information where these cards have moved to different places or pocketing things or sleight of hand and so illusions are really cool and that it's it's, it's really fun to be surprised it's joyous it's exciting um, and you can feel um, outsmarted but in a fun way when you see magic in a safe way yeah in a safe way not like when a dog outsmarts you and you get locked out of your own car and like, and he's got all the sausages yeah that's the worst but you know the funny thing it's summertime. So he may have locked you out of the car, but he's going to be the sausage at the end of the afternoon. You've got the last laugh, haven't you? Yeah, I certainly do. And also uh, gospel magic. So like uh, gospel magic or faith healing, um, which are different things. Uh, so there's like the idea which um, you can... I, I went to a faith healing once, actually. I, uh, I participated. I were, um, I, I'm not a man of God. I'm a man of... A man of science! Sorry? Man of science. A.K.A. Um, the devil. Mm-hmm. And so I was a young atheist and decided that I, rather than doing my university coursework one Sunday, I was going to go along for faith healing at a local church. And I went along and I made up some bullshit illness about, I, I smoked, uh, I did smoke, but I, so I, I smoked and my lungs were heavy and I, I couldn't run and I couldn't, I, I, was, I was running to, 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 to meet my girlfriend off a bus and she, and I, and I, and I, I missed the bus or some, some bullshit. Um, and the man, the man put my hand, the man put his hand on my chest and, they, and he healed me, pushed me down. And there were some men there, and they, they grabbed me, and everyone was chanting. It was like, run around the church. And I ran around the church. And honestly, it felt pretty good. It felt great, because everyone was shouting and chanting my name. And it was kind of an illusion of feeling better. They hit you with a Panasonic tough pad? Yeah. Uh, so they hit me with a tough pad, and I saw the light. I was, I was cut. My, 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 uh, my skull and my preconceptions were cast asunder by the light of tough pad. <laughs> tough pad will own us all someday. <laughs> all hell, tough pad. <laughs> um, but like uh, the, the the popular thing in, uh, in in faith healing is to have like oh uh, I, my leg hurts oh this is because one of your legs is longer than the other and so what they do is they'll is they'll, they'll sit you down and they'll pull one of your shoes slightly off uh-huh. so your feet look slightly longer and then they'll go and they'll just smack the shoe back on and it's oh your legs are the same length your legs are the same length like kind of Jeebus and Jeebus helped and then everyone feels better and yeah so there's that similar kind of magic huh hmm. Um, and then there's theater. Ah, theater! Which I imagine is, I am very familiar with. That's your sphere of influence, the Toro. Yes, I've been called quite pantagious. Actually, um, I, I, did, I did some research into um, the, the theater, what you, what, what you started many years ago, back in, back in the uh, 1400s, 1600s. The Ars Dramatica, yes. The Ars Dramatica, yeah, and how, and how you, were, you, were, you were quite the chump back in those days. Indeed. But you, you've come through, which is great. I eat crumb, I, I practice crumb fooey. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how would you use illusions in, in theater in the theater well there's something called the illusion of the first time which is something mm-hmm. that actorbs have to do uh w- when they're acting in a scene they have to pretend even if they've rehearsed it a million times that they're doing it for the first time okay uh also the spectacle the stage and mise-en-scene of uh, the environment that the actors walk around in has to resemble or at least be evocative of a certain uh, place. So it's the, a consensual illusion, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, unless the audience is drunk, in which case it's, even though they're there, it's still not consensual. Yeah, yeah, fair play. Okay, yeah. But the idea, the idea, going, the idea of going to the, the, going to the theater is that this is, this is not real, but we can react as though it was real right. in a certain way. And that's the illusion. You know, like, um, like if someone gets stabbed under the arm, we can narratively interpret that as they've been, they've been stabbed in the, in the chest mm-hmm. um, without having to stab someone in the chest, which is really expensive. <laughs> is it expensive? Well, because you've got to keep buying actors. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, and aside from theater, we have cinema. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, there's an illusion, basically. Yeah, it's just a bunch of f- pictures that are going real fast in front of your face. Yeah. Make you think that there's people living up on that big screen. But there ain't no people. There's it's no just people. a screen. Just actors. Um, 
and like I did a a full twelve weeks, ten weeks of film studies back at university. Whoa. So I'm going to reference Unchion Andalou um, as the as as, as it, it's one of the first special effects used in films. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a it was a film, and it starts off with a uh, as, as a, a man cuts open a woman's eye uh, with a straight razor, the straight razor, and it zooms in, and it was a dog's eye and a fake face. Oh. So I mean, it was also it was out of the dog. It wasn't like a. I mean, there was a pig's eye. I don't know. Listen, it wasn't. It wasn't a fun animal being murdered. It was a dead animal. They took the eye out, built it into a fake face. The woman had literally slashed the eye open with a razor, oh. and it's. Um, it was the first. It was one of the first special effects, um, and it was really powerful at the time. And it's still kind of creepy, honestly. Um, but it's like about cinema literally attacking the eye and being an illusion, uh, and that's the. Uh, that's the full extent of my cinema. Finally. Um, Finally, science. Illusions are helpful to science. Mm-hmm. Because they help us understand better how our barn works. Mm-hmm. So you put illusions in, and sometimes people are like, I can't see this illusion. Or sometimes people are like, I can see this illusion, but in a weird way. And you can be like, hey, your brain is broken in these fun ways. Let's treat this with medicine. Yeah. Or, or like therapy. Or turn yeah. you into a meat brick. Well, that's, that's one way. I don't think doctors are supposed to do that anymore. Like in that movie, One Flew Over the Coochie's Nest? Mm-hmm. With the meat bricks. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Uh, so science can benefit from illusions. Mm. Science can benefit from so much, Grant. So like Parkinson's, as I said before, so like there's the idea of um, people with Parkinson's can't see, uh, can't hear binaural beats. They can't see them either. No one can see them. Um, so it's a way to like diagnose that. And the chap did some experiments and they had a week long uh, alleviant of Parkinson's. And by the end of that week, they could hear binaural beats, which is great. Whoa. So they too can pretend to trip out on bullshit legal highs. <laughs> I don't buy it. I don't buy it either. Yeah. Just have your friend stand on your chest. Precisely. Grant! Mm-hmm. Uh, barding is such sweet sorrow. <sighs> we have come to the conclusion of today's episode of Blaster Podcast, brought to you by Blaster Podcast. Grant! Mm-hmm. What time is it? I think it's time for plugs. It's time for plugs! It's time for plugs! It's time for plugs, not drugs, but plugs! Give me a hug, bear! A bugbear? Yeah. If you like bugbears, you'll like my game, Goblin Quest. I know. <laughs> it's got bugbears in it. I know! Nice, nice. You can do uh, simple it, things like make a Hamlet. I just, I just, I thought, I thought I'd, I thought I'd let the listeners believe that that, 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 uh, that segue was natural. It, it felt like a natural segue. It didn't, it? yeah, and you had to ruin it. Anyway, so Goblin Quest is a game what I wrote, which I talked about earlier. Uh, if you want to get it, it is 15 bucks for a PDF, which is kind of expensive. But it's really nice. It's 130-odd pages. It has full-color art, and it has um, seven different games you can play at the end using the Goblin Quest rules, in addition to the wonderful core game of Goblin Quest. You can get that uh, by going to GS Howit. That's G-S-H-O-W-I-T. No one's going to write this down. Just search Goblin Quest RPG. You might find it. Who knows? You have an Andy North-like uh, <laughs> impatience for plugging your but, own okay. stuff. Okay, so... Goblin Quest, I'll tell you, Goblin Quest artwork is very cute. It's adorable. It's yeah, it's really good. We've got some really skilled artists to come in. Uh, they're not have... scary goblins. They're fun goblins. Yeah, they're adorable. And they all wear white fronts. They all wear uh, what? White uh, pants, like white fronts. Uh, under, underwear. Underwear. White fronts. Because like, you can't look dignified in a pair of white fronts. It's not possible. That's true. Um, and if you're interested in checking out some games which don't cost money from me, because I have a lot of free games, if you go to uh, Look Robot uk forward slash games. Lookrobot is my blog. Lookrobot. Lookrobot.co.uk forward slash games. You have all my games on there, which you can download for little to no money and often no money, including a game called Dr. Magnet Hands, uh, which you might like, Dottori. Uh, of course. You, I've encountered uh, Dr. Magnet Hands before. 
Oh, how have you? Uh, how did you fire against his magnetic hands? It did not go well. No, it never yeah. does. I got a pacemaker. <laughs> and an iron testicle. <laughs> wow. Does it, does, it, does it still function or is it just like clanging around down there? The iron testicle does what it always did, which is basically harm my regular testicle. <laughs> it's a malicious testicle. <laughs> it's awful. Uh, but when I sit down on like a hard chair, mm -hmm. the clank is intimidating to other menfolk. I can see that. Yeah. That would put me off my lunch. It's difficult for sexual activity, though. It's like, uh, it's like ha having a, a, a hacky sack full of dimes that you're hitting into your lady's uh, rear quarters. Or man's. Don't want to judge. It's up to you, Tatori. I'm not going to judge you. Only God can judge me now. <laughs> so you've got Goblin of Game. You've got Free of Games at Look Robot. Anything else? Uh, I have I have a new game coming out as well. I have a new game which I'm currently playtesting. If you are into role-playing games and you are somehow the shit show that I've done over the last, I don't know how I don't know what, how, how much you're going to cut this down to. Let's just over the last ten minutes or so, which I've talked about illusions. If you're interested in, play, in, in playing one of my games, get on the ground floor and helping me design it. It's a game called Chronicle. Um, there's some details on my website. If you go to Look Robot, it's all down on the front page. It won't be perhaps in, in the future, but it is now. Um, and it's a, it's a kind of a pulp uh, action storytelling game. We have like this really cool cyclical uh, world-building thing where you make your own world and dive in and out and tell different parts of different stories. It's all done with playing cards. Um, I'm really keen to like to have you have to give the players ownership of the world and give them something which they can explore and create and have fun with. And that's my new thing, which we're we're just in we're in uh, close playtest of that now. So get in touch if you're interested in playing. And then soon we will be um, putting on Kickstarter. That sounds awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you're a creative son of a bitch, Grant. I'm, I'm definitely that. I'm just glad that you're not into podcasting. Oh, well, I do have a podcast, but uh, I'm not going to plug it. <laughs> you do have a podcast? Yeah, it's a role-playing ghost podcast. Um, it's called Table Talk, but it's pretty niche. It's just me and three of the white guys talking about role-playing games for over an hour. So it's <laughs> Well... I don't yeah. know what it would be like to have a niche podcast. Yeah, fair play. All right, that's true. So, um, Table Talk, yeah. do you want my listeners to listen to it? You know what? You'll get yeah, that why not? Blaster yeah. Podcast bump. I'll have that rush coming. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll get John to upgrade the service. Table Talk. Table Talk. By Grant Howitt. And others. And Three Whites. <laughs> actually, actually, well, one of them's half Asian, the other one's half something. I don't know. Anyway, listen. What you do you said... want to plug, Victoria? Uh, what do I want to plug? You're done with mm -hmm. your plugs? Yeah. Oh, actually, um, I'm, do I'm doing a live game. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll plug this. I'm, I'm doing a live game on the 4th of July, uh, a thing called Dexcon. Um, there's a, a live game called it's a Live Paranoia, which is a popular role-playing game. Ah, yes. Um, I, wrote, I, I, I wrote the new edition of that, which is pretty cool. And so they're getting me to do a, 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 live, a live game version where you are friend computer who is the benevolent dictator of Alpha Complex is 214 years old. Uh, just like he was last year and just like he will be next year. And he is having his 214th birthday party and you are being um, brought in at gunpoint to help out uh, build birthday floats and edifices and write birthday music um, whilst everyone is involved in duplicitous secret societies. And it's the 4th of July, so if for some reason you're not celebrating a country's independence, <laughs> you can come and hang out in, uh, in New Jersey. That's awesome. At Dexcon. So yeah, I'm, I'm missing my first uh, American 4th of July and I'm spending it with nerds in an airless basement. Granto, mm -hmm. is that the end? Of your That's stupid words? Of your, <laughs> your greedy, rasping cash grab? <laughs> no, I offered a lot of free games, but yes, yes, cash I'm out bandicoot. of words. I am a cash bandicoot, and I am I'm out of words. Great. Well, hey, audience. If you're not too busy jerking around with Grant in New Jersey, 
then tune in to Blaster Podcast, which you can find on iTunes and Stitcher. Rate and review us. Give us all five of the stars. Give us all the stars, motherfucker! Because, uh, really, that's the only review, that's the only star rating that matters. Uh, additionally, uh, we're going to be coming out with more episodes of Muffed Movies, cranking them out. In July, you will be treated to an episode of Muffed Movies uh, that uh, muffs up Save the Last Dance. Uh, and after that, we'll be doing RoboCop. Um, also, Our Fair City keeps on cranking out the jams. Uh, look for us at Convergence, the science fiction convention in Minneapolis uh, in the summertime. And Grant, I'm going to... Grant, are you ready for exclusive? Exclusive? I'm ready for exclusive. All right, you're not, you're not going to like it too much. Uh, Blaster Podcast is going on a summer break. This is episode 37, the end of season one of Blastro Podcast. Those long American seasons. Yeah. Uh, so Blastro Podcast is going to be going on a break until we'll, uh, we return in October. Now, do not despair, dear Blastro Apostles. You will still be filling your ears bi-monthly with episodes of Muffed Movies uh, cranking back at you. Uh, fast and furious, but the scientific data itself through Blaster Podcast will be on pause for three months uh, while I uh, hit the field and acquire more knowledge. By bi-monthly, do you mean every two months or twice a month? Shut up, Grant. Okay. I mean twice a month, of course. Yeah! Okay, that's better. <laughs> yeah, you'll get uh, uh, Muff Movies twice a month. Oh boy. Twice the muffin, none of the stuffin'. <laughs> All the puffin'. All the puffin'. Uh, Grant, do you have any final sentiments for our internet audience? Uh, no. Well, thank you for being an excellent jest. Grant Howitt, ladies and gentlemen, give him a round of applause. Uh, I'm bowing, I'm bowing. I'm bowing. I'm bowing. 747. I'm bowing. <laughs> Good night, everybody! Good night! The Blaster Podcast theme song was composed by Stephen Poon, www.timecrashband.com. <laughs>